You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today on Max's Island, I'm joined by Michaela McMahon. Hi Michaela, how are you going? Hi Tony, I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Michaela, guests on Max's Island have the opportunity to tell us a story about that time in their life where they did something for themselves. Perhaps it was something that was a little bit against the grain, might have even been something that was quite unexpected, or it could have even been planned, but it was just really significant. Have you got a time in your life where that may have happened to you? I think I've got many, but the most memorable one for me would be, you know, I was quite comfortable living and growing up in Manchester. I had, you know, a steady job and a really good life there with lots of friends, um, my family and a relative of mine moved to Australia. And at the time I had recently broken up with um, a partner that I was with and I saw that as an opportunity to kind of go on holiday just to kind of clear my mind and um, get some R&R and I'd never been to Australia before I'd always wanted to go and I think you know when my uncle had contacted me and showed me pictures of his house like we came from quite a I guess a low socio-economic background in Manchester and Salford and you know uh, both lived in kind of small cul-de-sacs, uh, two up, two down houses. Like on reflection now, I think about the houses that I've lived in while I've been here, is that they're quite small, almost like borrower houses, um, if you know the film, The Borrowers. So I took that opportunity and went to visit my uncle for a three-week holiday and absolutely fell in love with the place that he'd moved to. So he'd moved to... Um, a little country town called um, Bundaberg in Queensland um, and he lived in the seaside kind of resort um, if you would call it that um, called Bagara which for me I just always imagined uh, Australia would be like Ramsey Street from Neighbours or you know Home and Away and I'm a city girl I've grown up in the city um, I guess that you could say that I lived like right in the heart of city centre Manchester, although I grew up in Salford. It was a, a 20 minute straight walk down the road to the city centre. So I'd never really kind of been in that lifestyle of like beached, relaxed environment. And 
yeah, I didn't really know what to expect, but I got there and embraced it. And I think probably about a week in, I felt confident to be able to go, I guess, for a walk to uh, the local kind of cafe, pub, stroke, bar, where they play the pokies, like everything, the entertainment area almost. And on my walk there, which was about 20 minutes down the road, there was a couple, an older couple that walked past me. And they stopped when they got a few feet away and was like, hi, how are you today? And they genuinely wanted to know how I was doing. And I felt a bit taken aback by their kind of openness and warmness and their response and like where I'm from, people just wouldn't do that. Um, And if you did walk down the street and said, hi, how are you today? You'd probably get a strange look. People probably wouldn't answer you or they'd say something that probably wasn't very pleasant. And yeah, I was just, yeah, so overwhelmed with like, oh, these people genuinely want to know how I am. Like I'm new to their area, they don't know me. And we stood and had a five minute chat. And I think that that kind of helped me make some decisions around like, well, I love the weather here and it's been really nice so far. Like, do I want to consider coming back and traveling? And I'd never really traveled um, on my own before. And that was, I guess, the moment that was a decision maker for me that I went back to Manchester and saved for about six months and then set off on my travels around Australia for a couple of years. The decision to, to leave Manchester, there would have been family involved, mm-hmm. there would have been work involved, there would have been a circle of friends which was the hardest to say goodbye to? I think my mum. Like, my mum was um, a single parent for the majority of my life. So um, I've got a sister that's four years younger than me. And probably by the time she was born, my mum was a single parent. So there's just been me, my sister and my mum for, at that point, 24 years. Um, and... You know, I kind of made this. My mum's always been somebody that would encourage me and my sister to get involved in after-school activities, get up on the stage, go and do that thing that nobody else is doing, and and she really encouraged me to kind of go. But the thought of leaving everything that I'd known and leaving my mum, who like would be then at home with my sister, and like I felt like a little bit of a oh, am I doing the right thing moment, but. I felt good about it. I had, it was funny because I had um, a bit of a leaving do with people that I was saying at the time, like, oh, I'm going off traveling for two years. And my mum was like, stop telling everybody you're going for two years. You'll be back here in three months because you'll be homesick. And (laughs) I was just like, no, 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 I won't. And sorry, it was one year that I'd told people that I was going. And then, yeah, one year turned into two years. And then I was like, oh, Maybe it is time to go home for a little while. But yeah, that was leaving my mum and my sister was the hardest. But in saying that, I've been here now for 16 years and I speak to my mum and my sister like every two days. You mentioned that you came for the year that became two years. You often hear of people migrating to a place, spending some time there and then saying, oh, actually, I do miss home. I will go back and then discovering that it wasn't quite 
like it was. Did that happen to you? Yes and no. Um, so by the time it got to, I'd completed my second kind of year working holiday visa, I was like, oh, maybe the, the draw to home was quite strong. And I was like, I've missed out on two years of being at home and like, I can't wait to see everybody. And I got there and, and the first week of being at home was great. Like I seen everybody, it was great to be back. Like I went, you know, around like the town centre and shopping was different. Um, but I very quickly came to the realisation that it was cold and it was wet and it was dark and the people didn't really do anything outdoorsy. Um, like when you finish work, you were home for the night or you were down the local pub. There wasn't, because it was raining and cold, people wouldn't go out. And my lifestyle was so different in Australia. I was, I'm an early bird. I like to be up with the sun. Um, I'm quite active. And like nobody was really kind of active at home. Yeah, it was just, there was elements that I loved, like I loved being in the hustle bustle of the city again, but that kind of novelty wore off very, very quickly. And I think it made me realize that after traveling for two years, I, I quite liked the country towns more than I liked the big city. And I found being in the city quite overwhelming at some points because there was just too many people in crammed in a small space. The journey to Australia you had to leave a career. Did you try to replicate that career in Australia? Um, kind of, yeah. So when I left um, the UK, I worked for a social care employment agency. Um, so working, still working with like youth offending teams, social workers that were based in the hospitals. And I'd studied back in the UK and my study wasn't recognised. Well, there's elements of my study that wasn't recognised here. So when I first came back, I had to study for an extra six months. Um, but I was really fortunate that I kind of like landed on my feet in terms of the work or the study that I was doing was pretty much identical to the things that I'd already done at home anyway. And I had to do a placement for my six months of study. And I just so happened to go to St. Bart's because somebody else was in my in my class was working there just to do my placement. And I went in and had like an, an interview and they offered me a job more or less straight away. So I kind of fell into the work that I was almost doing back in the UK anyway. So that was in Perth? Yep. So how did you get from Bundaberg in Queensland <laughs> to Perth? Because there's probably... A significant distance the points of Australia from one you know one's the uh, northeast and the other one's the southwest yeah um I did a lot of traveling so the two years that I was here I guess the first month that I arrived I went directly to my uncles and they had a younger child like and I was kind of staying with them but I wasn't really able to meet anybody of my age you know my uncle was introducing me to people he worked with but he was a tyler and you know there was it, yeah there was like a lot of local australian people that lived there for a long time and i was really lucky because bundaberg is a kind of uh, a working town um it's full of cane fields and you know there's lots of fruit picking there 
And quite often, a lot of backpackers will go to Bundaberg to do the fruit picking to get their second year visa anyway. And I think after about a month, I was kind of feeling that twinge of like homesickness because I wasn't meeting anybody my own age. So I just decided that I might just go and stay at Backpackers for a week because I still had the safety net of my uncle's house. And um, I think I was there for like three weeks and I met um, an Irish girl and a Kiwi lad um, and they had a camper van and then we just hit the road. So traveled from Bundaberg all the way up, like through Early Beach, uh, the Whitsundays, um, and traveled all the way up, seen many things along the way to Cairns. And we stayed in Cairns for about three months. Um, you pretty much couldn't get anything further away from central Manchester <laughs> than that part of Australia. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievably different. That must have been a real eye-opener for you, and I can understand how you would have been attracted to the place and, and Australia in general. Yeah, it was like, yeah, as you say, so different to where I was from. And I guess the beaches, I, and that part of the year that I was there, it was beautiful weather, the sun was shining, we seen multiple waterfalls, went on hikes, did, you know, diving, snorkeling. I've seen lots of beautiful places. I think when I did my three weeks of fruit picking for that that time, I went back to it um, for um, reasons to get my second year visa, but it, it was eye-opening and it was, I'm not gonna lie, like back-breaking work and stuff that I'd never been used to before. I'd come home every day with like dirt under my nails that I could not get rid of for like six months afterwards. And like your, the, the wildlife that I seen on the farms and like, you know, people talk about, you know, most like Australia's got the most deadliest animals and like there's, you know, snakes and spiders. And I seen it all on that trip, like, you know, king brown snakes and just, you know, the like, oh, stamp your feet because they don't like vibrations. Don't run. And I was like, if there's a snake coming towards me, I am absolutely running. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just the wildlife was amazing and just the like, I think like welcomeness of people like and generosity like people were so humble and just you know you'd meet them for a couple of days and they'd be like oh come round to ours for a barbecue later and we've got you know some friends coming round it was just very very different to living in a city I think. So the two years backpacking and working was it all in Queensland? No no so I did to Cairns, I stayed in Cairns for about three, four months. Then just so happened to meet another person from Manchester who was also working in Cairns and um, a couple of German people that we traveled with and we had a car and we drove from Cairns to, through like to the Devil's Marbles and then right up to Alice Springs. Um, and we stayed at Alice Springs for a few days Alice was really hot and there was, I remember feeling very overwhelmed by the amount of flies that was there. I think I'm like, I'm gonna, I don't know why I'm telling you the story, but I went to the shop while we were staying there and I got a bag of groceries in, and both my hands were full. And I was walking back to where we were staying and it was hot and it was sweaty and there was these flies that were just in 
every kind of place that was a bit of moisture in terms of like eyes, nose, mouth, ears, like, and I got to the point where I'd like kept wafting them away and I just put the like shopping bags down and I just had to have like a little moment to myself, like an almost a cry because it was just like, I just don't think I can stay here for much longer. <laughs> you wouldn't have seen flies like that in Manchester. No, no, <laughs> it was just like, it was very overwhelming. And I think that that was the first time that I'd experienced the heat in Cairns was hot, but like when we got to Alice Springs, it was very, very humid um, and quite warm. And the people that I travelled with, they were dis- they were going to stay there for a couple of weeks. And I decided with one of the other people that we were with that we were actually going to sh- jump on the Garn a couple of days later. So we got the Garn, um, travelled up, stopped off in Catherine um, for a couple of days, and then continued that journey up to Darwin in the Northern Territory. And how did you find your way to WA? Well, was that during that trip or when you came back after going home after n- two years? No, so I so went from Darwin back to my uncle's for Christmas and then travelled around a little bit more of Queensland, ended up then going to Sydney um, after that. And then me and a couple of girls from Sydney then flew back to Darwin and then I got a camper van with a couple of people that I met in Darwin and we drove down to Perth. And I stayed in Perth for the last about seven, eight months of my two years of traveling. It's quite interesting that you never had a problem in meeting people and traveling with strangers. Mm. Maybe it says something about your face or your personality. And maybe that was what that couple on that very first day that you were in Bundaberg recognised because the fact that you're able to connect with people. So maybe that was helpful for you to find a place here and, and be, be part of the society. I know, and I often reflect on that, Tony, because I had a really big group of friends back in the UK, but we never really went outside of our circle of friends. It was like the people that we went to school with or that lived close to you, and there was never really many new people come into the group but everybody kind of just stayed together and I think that that was one of my probably biggest apprehensions of coming traveling on my own was like I've known my group of friends for you know 25 years how am I going to make new friends now like what what does that involve and you know as much as it was kind of daunting making that decision to leave the comfort of my uncle's nice house with a pool close to the beach to go and live in a backpackers hostel for a bit it was probably the best decision that I ever made because I think everybody was in the same kind of boat not really got that much money just doing the work that they needed to do to be able to get their second year visa so they could stay and do some more traveling and even though it was (laughs) even though it was hard work people were just joking and laughing and singing throughout the day because that was the way that they got through it. I remember at that time, probably after like the first few weeks of doing that work, ringing my old team that I used to work with in Manchester that I'd worked with for about five years. And I remember saying to them, I will never, never ever complain ever again about an office job. (laughs) You don't know what this is like. Um, but honestly, I had some of the best times working on farms and met some of the best people and some of which that I'm still friends with now. So when you went back after the two years, 
And you said it was pretty quick. It came pretty quickly to you that um, wet, dark, cold Manchester was not as attractive as some some of the sunny climes in Australia. Did you try to convince any of your pals over there to come with you and come back? I did, um, but like probably the only person that would have come with me out of that group was my friend Kev. And when I went traveling around Australia, he got a secondment with the bank that he worked for to go and live in Tenerife for their partner bank for um, a couple of years. And he ended up staying there. Everybody else was very much a home bird. They'd either, you know, bought houses or were having children or just was so close to their family that they would never consider leaving. And to be honest with you, I think there's only one of probably a group of 20 that have actually made that decision to leave. Like, and they live in New Zealand now. How does your family feel about you living on the other side of the world and have now done for many years? I think when it comes to family events, that can be quite hard sometimes, but my mum loves it here. She's been over, you know, probably about six times now. And considering she's, you know, 65, she's still quite young at heart. Like the last time that she was here, she was like, oh, I wouldn't mind doing a skydive. I was like, you better get your skates on then, otherwise you might not be able to do one. You'll have to get signed off by the doctor. Um, But yeah, no, my family are like, I think they come over for a holiday. My sister's been over here uh, recently with her husband and my little nephew, um, who's called Ozzy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he loved the water, loved the beaches. Yeah, I think it's nice to be able to go back and visit, but I think if I could pick up my friends and family and move them out permanently, then I would much prefer them to be over here. But I think I've kind of, you know, resigned myself to the fact that it's only a flight away. Like, there's further places that I could live um, and I can be home in, you know, 20 hours if I need to be. So we've talked about the, the, the difference from a physical point of view and the weather and what have you between Manchester and, and, and Australia and certainly from my knowledge of Manchester, you know, rural hustle bustle, yep. big, big city, um, probably quite a bit different to downtown Perth where we are now. <laughs> when you came to Perth, so it's one thing to have a different lifestyle. What about career-wise? Has there been something that has particularly allowed you to, to stay in Perth and, and really develop a passion or an interest from a work point of view? I think I've been quite fortunate um, in like my career options and choices. Like I think that when I took that job at St. Bart's, that offered me a lot of opportunities. I was at St. Bart's for eight and a half years and it was really difficult for me to leave there because it was like my family away from home. Um, But there'd been a lot of changes and I was offered another opportunity to do something that I loved still in the same kind of field. So um, I felt like it was time. I didn't stay in the same job when I was in St. Bart's. They, if it wasn't for them, I don't think I'd still be here now because they sponsored me, they then put me up for employer nomination so I could get my residency. Um, so because of that organisation and the people that were there, I'm here now. I think that, you know, my whole 
kind of life could have been very different if I hadn't have gone to St. Bart's for that, you know, placement interview and had gone somewhere else. Like, who knows if I'd still be here. I'm hoping that I would. <laughs> I think I'm meant to be here. But I kind of just have stayed in the same field. So I, again, like, I guess I worked with a lot of youth offending workers back in the UK, social workers, and started off at St. Bart's as doing some case management for um, their homeless services. And then coordinated a couple of different services for people experiencing homelessness, um, opened a family accommodation service while I was there, and then moved into kind of towards the end of my employment there around training and development because I feel like as much as I love the work and love working with people and feel like I can connect with people, I also love to empower people and watch people grow. And I felt like training and development was kind of a natural progression at that stage um, and I really loved that um, and just facilitation skills and that's how we met so yeah. yeah and and then yeah and then there was another opportunity to be part of a different organisation doing something that was groundbreaking in terms of you know um, I guess trying to house people that weren't necessarily people that organisations wanted or could work with sometimes um, and trying to find you know some solutions around like how we can link people into services to make sure that they the most vulnerable people on our streets that are experiencing homelessness are able to get into accommodation and have wraparound support and I felt like that was something that was really interesting to kind of take my step back away from training and development again and get back into working with people on the ground and different organisations and that collective impact work. And again, I guess I think, you know, while we've been talking and you're mirroring back to me around, you know, personality and, and making friends easy, I think that's something that I'm drawn to in terms of work as well is that I like that kind of connecting with people and a stakeholder engagement and collective impact is something that I feel gives me that enjoyment in work as well as being able to do that in my home life. Do you think at any point in time you'll take what you've learned around the homeless space, around connecting with the most vulnerable? I'm imagining that Manchester has a homeless issue like many major cities around the world. Have you ever thought about taking some of your learning, some of your knowledge and, and um, innovation back to Manchester? I think that, you know, there are things that we're doing that are innovative for Manchester, but there are also amazing things that are happening in Manchester. So I follow, um, when I was back there recently, I went to see a few services um, in the Housing First space, and they're doing some you know, amazing things around Housing First. And we're just probably over the last two years working in that space in WA. So I guess kind of I was learning a lot from those organizations and still connecting with people back home through my networks around what's actually happening there i've got a few friends that still work in youth homelessness um, and we often still facetime and talk about what are the things that we're doing here and what are the things that they're doing there so it's nice to be able to share that learning but i get the opportunity to do that globally within the job that i'm in now anyway michaela it's been great to have you on Max's Island. We're so glad that uh, your uncle went to Bundaberg and that you went and visited him. And I need to shout out to that couple that met you in the street, engaged with you and made you feel at home. 
good luck with the future. Thanks for being on Max's Island. Thank you, Tony. We spoke on the bus on the way home from work. He was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur. Oh, work and no play. And how, how it had turned out this way. He told me his plan, a short-term escape, five weeks on the Bibbulmun track. Go it alone, no one to blame if he finished or fell by the way. Every sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky. 